Lord, thank you so much for this moment we have tonight, God, to be with you, to worship you, God, to seek you. And Lord, it is our heart to hear from you. So God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to anoint this time and just use this time, God, for us, Lord, that you would speak to us, God, for your glory, God, that we may know you in a deeper way and that we may walk in your ways better. And so, God, I ask that you would anoint, touch, fill us with your spirit right now. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. On the way to Sunday morning service, the mom was carefully instructing her little, little daughter on what church is all about. Mom told her that there's going to be a worship time, some prayer, and the pastor will be teaching from the Bible. Then to make sure that she understood what was going to go on in church, the mom asked her little one, So, let me ask you, why is it important to be very quiet when you sit in church today? Well, the little girl said, I know, I know, because people will be sleeping. Perhaps that's what she's seen before. Perhaps that's what she observes, that, well, people come to church to sleep. And so perhaps that's what she thinks what church is all about. Well, today as we continue our study in the book of Acts, we find exactly what the church is about. So I've titled our message, What Makes the Church a Church? What Makes the Church a Church? And we're going to be studying Acts chapter 2, verse 42, just one verse tonight. We're going to dive deep into that, and we're going to take it apart and find out What makes the church a church? And so, what is it? What makes church a church? Well, it's when God's people are, and we're going to see five things here. It's when God's people are, number one, devoted to be in church. Number two, devoted to study the word. Number three, devoted to keep the fellowship. Number four, devoted to partake in communion. And number five, devoted to gather for prayer. So this is what makes the church a church. And this is the points we're going to see tonight. This is when God's people are devoted to these things. All right, let's begin here. Number one, the first thing we're going to see is devoted to be in the church. When God's people are devoted to be in the church. And here we're going to take a look at the first part of verse 42 of Acts 2. But you know what? Let's, let's read the whole verse. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayer. So there's the whole verse. Well, we're going to begin with this very first part where it says, And they devoted themselves. So we're going to just stop right there. Now, Luke, who's, who wrote this book, the book of Acts, he's writing how they. First thing we say, and they, we see there. Now, who is the they? Well, it's the believers in Jesus Christ. Remember last time we saw in chapter 2, Peter preached, right? After the Holy Spirit came upon them, we saw the tongues of fire upon their head. They start speaking uh, different languages, the mighty rushing wind, all that, right? And then Peter stood up because a crowd came wondering what was going on. Well, Peter preached, and then in verse 41, right above this, we see that there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. So 3,000 people came to give their life to Jesus Christ and were saved. So they are speaking about the believers. So all these believers, they got into what this early church did, this first church did, and what we see in verse 42. Now, this is just a thought, that back then, you have to understand that there was no, like, mega churches, so to speak, like we see today. Uh, There wasn't, like, big church buildings. They actually met in homes. Perhaps there was large homes, and I don't know if there was enough homes for 3,000 people, or we could say 3,120 believers, you know, at this point that have come to Jesus Christ, because there's 120 praying in the upper room. But 
just a thought. It's just a thought in the back of my mind because I was pondering, okay, Lord, how does this work? Well, perhaps all the believers were dispersed into different homes here. And maybe the apostles split up to lead uh, these home churches here. But basically, the whole church uh, began here at this moment when the Holy Spirit came and there was uh, 3,000 people added to the body of believers in, in uh, the 120, and there's 3,000 people there. So, they is talking to the believers in Jesus. However this was handled, we know this, that the first church, the early church, they were devoted. We're reading that right here. And they devoted themselves. That word devoted means to remain, to continue to be faithful. It means to be steadfast. It means, it speaks of a regular, like persistent action, consistent kind of action. It speaks of an ongoing action, doing something over and over again. So, so I, I threw out there a, a lot of words to define this, but you get the idea of what devoted means. It's that faithfulness. So we read right away with what Luke is saying that, the believers were devoted, what? To do what's listed in this verse. And I want you to get that in your minds. That's the idea. When we read that they, were de- they devoted themselves, the believers are devoted to do what everything that's listed here. And everything that's listed here was done in the church. It was done when they met. What was done in this ancient first early church. Matthew Henry said this, How lovely is the sanctuary in the eyes of those who are truly sanctified. Now, I like that thought because those who come to be saved, now they have it in them. They look at the sanctuary. They look at the churches. Wow, I want to be there. Wow, I want to be part of this. They want to be in church. So God's people are devoted to be in church. That's the point here. That's what we see, number one. That's our heading in our outline. God's people, they really are devoted to be in church. You know, I was thinking about with current technology, we're able to stream our church services. That's what's going on in the back over there and the cameras and those of you are connected online and it's great it's a great tool for those maybe who aren't feeling well those who aren't able to actually come in person here or maybe they can't drive some people tell me well i can't drive at night i can't see or or maybe you work late and you ran out of time and you just couldn't make it up country here and so you still can catch our services and i think that's great and, and it was great during the whole COVID pandemic that we can still minister. And it's great that people log in. Someone's, I think people are logged in right now from uh, different states and out of, the, out of our country and like that. So it's a great tool. But even after the whole pandemic, uh, many have come back in church after COVID. And you know what I always hear? I always hear that it's not the same you know, watching that online as being right here in person. It's better. There's just something about being here live in the church right here in person. The sense of the Spirit, the worship, to hear the voices. To, to, it's just something different. Not that God cannot use the online uh, uh, ministry there and outreach there. But the thing is, still some don't come church even if can. And you know what? I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this whole world we live in today. I mean, think about how the emergence of the internet, right? And then the emergence of our, what? Our cell phones now, right? And, and we have like um, this attachment to our phones, these mini computers where we can access the internet, we can watch YouTube, we can watch a service live just sitting uh, here uh, watching it on our phones. And, and it, we can get so locked into that. But think about what has happened with this technology now. I mean, those of you who peruse like 
Facebook or Instagram or even YouTube. You know, you go through YouTube looking for videos and things like that. And, and you know, it's replaced television. Um, people just are on their phones now. And with that, we kind of conditioned ourselves. We've become a society that picks and chooses, because it's all right here, to receive, to get, to watch, whatever we want, right? And it's conditioned, really, us to please ourselves, to, like, kind of create our own world here, right? If we don't like something, ah, forget it, I'm going on something else, or I'm going to look at something else. And we create our little own world of what we, we can watch, what we want to watch, what's convenient, it's customized, it's private, we can watch things maybe we shouldn't watch. We choose our own entertainment, our music, right? We choose who our friends are going to be on Facebook or in Instagram. We, we get into indulgences and maybe the enemy uses temptation in that way and because no one can see we have our own little private little world we build here but we end up like isolating ourselves did you know the average high schooler uh looks at this little screen on average nine hours a day i mean that's 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 crazy but it's here it's convenience right in our hand isn't it well you know what happens i think our society has become very self-absorbed. Uh, that's how it's kind of pulled us into a moral relativity. And, and then we, we, because we've made our own world with the phones, we feel kind of entitled. So think about that thinking that the world right now and how it can leak into even our own minds, even our, uh, as Christians, as believers. So, so when this call comes, like tonight, to come to church, to be devoted, to be in church. What's our first reaction? Well, in the society we live in, our first reaction is, well, what's in it for me? Yeah. Will it please me? Is it convenient for me? Uh, I don't know. Will it really work out? Because we've conditioned ourselves to watch, to, to only have favorites for certain things that we want, right? All the other things aren't there. And then now here's another choice, yeah? God becomes just another menu on the buffet, right? In the buffet. And it's kind of conditioned us. And so I want to bring us back to, to thinking like, wait, what does God want? I mean, if, if, if we're more like, well, what's, what? well, God, I don't know if it fits in my own little world I'm, I'm creating and what's in it for me, that type of thing. Oh, maybe I will choose you. Maybe I will come to church if it, if it kind of works out for me, if I like it, right? But then God becomes a means to your end instead of making my life a means to His end. Do you understand the difference here? God is calling us to be devoted here, to be in church. And this is what we see in the early church. We see here, right here in verse 42, and they devoted themselves. This was the church starting. This was the early church. This is what makes the church a church. And this is God bringing believers to gather together. Now, we're going to get more stuff in when we talk about fellowship. But I just wanted to focus in on that one thing of how these Regular, these believers regularly went to church. They continue. They faithfully, right? God's people are faithfully devoted to be in church. Well, let's go to number two now. Devoted to uh, study the word. Number two is devoted to study the word. So it goes on here, and they devoted themselves to, it says here next, the apostles' teaching. So the first thing we see on this list of things in this verse is the apostles' teaching. What is that? Well, that, that's the uh, teaching of the Word of God, basically. Remember how Jesus taught the disciples for three years in His ministry? Then He trained them, we learn, right? At the beginning of Acts, at the end of Luke, in our studies, that how Jesus trained them for 40 days between the resurrection and ascension. 
all about the Old Testament scriptures, the fulfillment of prophecy of who he is. And he talked about everything about salvation, uh, why he died on the cross, rose again, everything. He taught them. He trained them. And we, if you remember back in Luke 24, 45, it says that Jesus opened their minds to God's plan of salvation. And then the Holy Spirit came and empowered them to be able to, like Peter, preach. And so what they shared from what Jesus had taught them, what God had given them, what the Holy Spirit is giving them, well, we have here now in the New Testament Scriptures. This is what we have. We have the writings. We have the writers inspired of God to write this down, to pass it around to the churches, and now it's put together inside our Bible. So this is the apostles' teaching. This is what they thought, taught. So the apostles were tasked to help believers learn what? The Word of God. Take a moment and turn over to the left, to the Old Testament, to Nehemiah. Nehemiah, we're going to take a look at Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. And here we're going to see how um, Nehemiah, how he... I didn't mark it, so I got to find it too. <laughs> How he uh, taught the people after the return of the, um, from the Babylonian captivity. How the people came back there. I'm lost. Here it is. Nehemiah 8. The pressure's on, right, when you're on camera and you're being recorded. <laughs> you guys are all relaxed. And you guys with phones are click, click. Hurry up, man. No. Okay. Nehemiah chapter 8. Look at verse 8 now. So <clears throat> Ezra here, in the, this time in Nehemiah, gathers all the people. And here is where they... Uh, read the word of God. The, uh, it says here in Nehemiah 8.8, 8, they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. That's the idea here. I like this, how they read from the book. So they actually read from the book of the law of Moses back then, their word. And they read it clearly in a sense where you could you could understand where, where, where it says next, um, and they gave the sense, they gave the interpretation. So you can understand what's being said, enough so that the people understood the reading. That's the heart of understanding the Word of God. You could go back to Acts. That's the idea here with what was going on with the apostles as they taught the people. Now, we should have an understanding of the Bible. And it's the Holy Spirit inside us that, that gives us that understanding. But not only that, the Spirit Himself gives us this hunger for the Bible. A hunger that should be really the main thing in our life. Remember Job said in Job twenty three twelve, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than the portion of my food. I like that. More than food. This, this is what we should hunger for. So God's children are devoted to study the word. Are devoted to study the word. One day someone asked Billy Graham, if you had to live your life over again, what would you do differently? You know what his answer was? One of my greatest Great regrets is that I have not studied enough. I wish I studied more and preached less. I love that. His hunger, his love for the Word. You know, some people, they want to be entertained. Uh, they, they, they're, you know, they want to be stimulated. Not just study, but there's something about studying the, 
the, the word, right, with the Holy Spirit, that it's not like our phones and we want to be entertaining. There's something deeper going on. There's something more that touches our heart because it's the Holy Spirit moving. It's God. It's interacting with God and His Word and the Spirit through His Word. Many have been lulled to sleep, that spiritual sleep, I should say, uh, by the enemy, by Satan. And they've lost that passion to really hear from God from the Bible. Let me tell you, listen, my heart, my mission here at Upcountry Calvary Chapel is for you to understand what the Word of God says. It's about church here. The main thing, what do we do? We, we, well, we worship, but we get into the Word, right? And I try and break it down. I try and help you to understand what this is saying so that, you know what? When you go home and you read this tonight, you can say, I got it. You're not confused. Whatever passage we're in, First Peter on Sunday, that you can go home, read it, and you can say, okay, I understand it. And let me tell you, if you can connect to the Word of God, then you can connect to God. And that's what it's about. So let me challenge you tonight, or maybe anyone online. Do you have that appetite for God's Word? Do you have that appetite? Do you, are you hungering for that? Do you want to understand what's going on here? Do you want to get deeper? I mean, even me, I mean, I read through the Bible, I don't know how many times, but um, I, more than I can count. Um, I've last, lost count, actually. But... I still love to read the Word of God every day. I still love to study it and get into it. Because every time I do, I can get deeper. I can get more. And I hear from God through the Holy Spirit. So, do you have an appetite for the Word of God? Perhaps, maybe you're eating too much of the junk food of the world, I can say. Maybe your hunger is suppressed. Maybe you lost that passion for the Word. Well, we got to get back to that because this is what makes the church a church. God's people are faithfully devoted to study the Word and they're devoted to be in church. Let's go to number three. Devoted to keep the fellowship. Devoted to keep the fellowship. <clears throat> and this is the next part in verse 42. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And then it says, and the fellowship. So the early believers, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. The Greek word here is koinonia. You probably heard that. The word koinonia means basically participation in sharing. That's, that's the basic thing. But it really speaks of a close relationship, a, a, a bonding that happens, a bonding and unity that happens when you get together. Think of how the early church, you know what I was thinking about, how when they got together, they had this common bond of being saved in Jesus. And it was a special link, especially during the persecution times, especially against the hostile world or the Jewish religious leaders. But, but they were like, no, we're, we're together in this. We're a link in this. So the believers were devoted to gather in church and be together. Now, I want you to understand something here that, that is happening in their fellowship. Understand that when you and I come to Jesus Christ, when, when, when we're saved, when we come to know Him, the Holy Spirit comes into us, right? And, and He regenerates us. We become a new person. And with the Holy Spirit in us, did you know that's what links us together? That's what bonds us together. It, it, that's what brings us, in, us into the body of Christ. It says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. So if the Spirit is bonding us that way, if the Spirit is bringing us to church to bond us that way, to bring us into unity, if we neglect our fellowship, we're going to feel something. If we neglect it, we're going to feel like, well, something's missing here. 
You see, it's the Spirit inside of us that's drawing us to come together. It's the Spirit inside us that is drawing us to get into the Word, to study the Word. It's the Spirit inside of us saying, hey, you're, you're a new creation. You're part, part of the body of Christ. Hey, be in church. Hey, be in fellowship with other believers. So God's family, the people in God's family are devoted to keep the fellowship are devoted to keep the fellowship. John Wesley, that evangelist in the 1700s from England, he came to New England to um, do ministry also. You know what he said? He said, there is nothing more unchristian than a solitary Christian. It puts it all together, doesn't it? What God has done with the Holy Spirit in each one of our lives. That we should be in church. That we should be in the fellowship. How about you tonight? Maybe someone there online. Maybe you've been thinking that, oh, you're okay without the fellowship. Maybe some of us are naturally like like loners. I mean, I, I could be that way easily. I could, if I wasn't married or didn't have um, my wife and, you know, my family, I could, I could easily, I'll, I'll be fine alone, you know. But I know that's not what God wants. But also, God has put inside of me to be with you guys, to be in church, to be in fellowship, to talk and talk about the Lord and have that koinonia together. I don't think God is saying it's okay to be a loner. God wants us to get out of our loner kind of mode. You know why? Because we're missing out of being part of the body of Christ. We're missing out of that dynamic. Of, of the Holy Spirit working through us and speaking through us and, and, and that dynamic of connecting together in this family of God that we're a part of. We're missing out of the relationships that are built here. God And you know what? God wants to use each one of us as tools, as right part of the body, many parts of the body, whether we serve or whatever it is, but that we can, we can be used of God to help someone. Whatever that is, whether it's praying or encouraging someone or, 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 you know, being part of that functioning part of the body of Christ. So, reading this, if we think about how God's people and the family of God, they're devoted to keep the fellowship, that this is one of the components that makes the church a church of what we see here laid out here in the early church and was the foundation for all churches through the centuries. We got to ask, well, is it okay to regularly miss a Sunday? To pick and choose? I would say no. We got to be in fellowship. We got to be with the believers. How about, I'll say this, is it okay to miss Wednesday? Is it? Isn't that part of the fellowship, to be in church? Or maybe, you know what happens in our busy life, or maybe because of this self-centered, centered-on-me society with our phones and internet and stuff, is maybe we make up our own rules. I'm not talking to people who can't be here, or you know they have jobs or stuff going on, but um, uh, sometimes we can make up our own rules or our own standards that fit what we want it to be, right? And we kind of tweak things to help us feel better. But what we see in the early church is they were devoted to what? The fellowship. They were devoted. They, they regularly did. This is what they did and kept doing. They are faithful to the fellowship. Plus, Listen to what Hebrews 10.25 says, and this is the NLT. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. That's pretty straight. That's from the Bible. Don't neglect your gathering together. Don't neglect your fellowship. Don't neglect meeting together, as some people do. Where, where are you? Are you, as some people do, are you in that category? Or are you part of, the one, oh no, I'm not neglecting. 
It says, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You guys, Christ is coming back soon. Jesus is going to be, be here. The rapture is going to happen. The world is spinning out of control. Our society is falling apart. There's so much darkness and sin. We need to come together. We need to encourage each other. We need to help each other. We need each other and not get lost in the world and pulled away, yeah? Tempted away. Brought out of this fold of God. We don't want to be the sheep at the edges or on the other side of the fence, right? What happens? That sheep is the one that gets eaten, right? We need to be in that fellowship and strengthen each other. So I'm asking you guys that to, to make sure your standards are set to what we're reading here. Studying the Word of God. Our standards to stay in fellowship. To make sure that you're not just, well, being lazy even. Yeah? Or creating your own little, oh, world and kind of standard of, oh, I'm, if I do this, I'll, I'm okay. No, look at what the Word is saying right now. This is what makes the church a church. God's people are faithfully devoted to keep the fellowship. All right, well, we've seen God's people faithfully devoted to be in church, devoted to study the Word of God, and devoted to keep the fellowship. And now number four. We have five things here. We're at number four now. God's people are faithfully devoted to partake in communion. And that's the next thing we're going to see. So we see in Acts chapter 2, 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. And then next it says, to the breaking of bread. So next is what is termed here as the breaking of bread. And really just speaks of communion, the the Lord's Supper. Uh, Back then, the early church, they would get together and they would have a meal. They break bread together. It's part of their fellowship, part of the, the koinonia, the bonding, the unity. And then after they ate, they would partake in communion. They would receive communion, the bread and the cup. Now, it was really patterned after the last supper, so to speak, right? Jesus' last night on this earth uh, before he died on the cross the next day. It was that night, remember, Jesus changed the Passover to communion. Passover had commemorated the, the, the death angel passing over the Israelites during, uh, right before God released them from the bondage of Egypt because the Jew, Jews, yeah, the Jewish household had put the blood of a lamb on the doorposts of their house. And so the death angel passed over and didn't kill the firstborn as they did in all of Egypt. So Passover commemorates that time because it was that plague, basically, that uh, uh, God used for uh, Pharaoh to release the Jews out of Egypt to be free. So then Jesus changes that to himself as being the Lamb of God who died on a cross. And that no more, it's Passover, but it's communion, we call it now. It's a communion memorializes, like Passover did for what happened in Egypt. Communion memorializes Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. So we see another uh, uh, important part of the church is the believers are devoted to gather together and remember Christ in communion. Jesus even told uh, the disciples in Luke twenty two nineteen that night, Jesus commanded actually saying, do this in remembrance of me. See, this is one of the actually two sacraments, quote unquote, that Jesus asked us to do as believers. There's actually uh, certain things that he really wanted us to do. And number one, um, or one of the things I should say is water baptism, right? He said, go baptize in water and all in the Great Commission. But the other thing is what we're reading here is communion, 
And the elements that we hold when we partake in communion, communion the bread and a cup, they, they represent Christ's sacrifice and His blood that was shed for our sins. Now, it doesn't actually turn into the body of Christ like our Catholic friends say. Um, it's not that. It's a representation of that. And so, you know, obedience, just as studying a word or being in fellowship, we remember Jesus in communion. We break bread together in that sense. And you know why I think God has us do that? Why it's part of the foundation of the church here? It's because I think we can easily forget. We get busy in our lives, right? And then we take for granted what Jesus did almost 2,000 years ago. So I think it's important that we honor God this way. It's, it's a memorial. Like we have Memorial Day, right? Uh, where we remember those who died for our freedoms. I mean, it, it, if we do that once a year, it's important that we do communion, partake in communion for the one who died for our sins and saved us. So believers in Christ are, to, are devoted to partake in communion. That's the point here. Believers in Christ are devoted to partake in communion. You know, I think of someone I know, several people actually I know, who every year, right, they, they go to the grave of their loved one and they put flowers on their grave faithfully. Why? Well, it, it, it shows love, doesn't it? shows honor. It shows how much this person means to them. So it is with Jesus Christ. So it is. That's why it's so important that we do partake in communion. I mean, we as a church, every first Sunday of the month, we partake in communion. And I want to encourage you guys, that doesn't mean that, okay, well, I've done my thing. You know, sometimes we do it on Wednesday night, something we've done on Good Friday. Uh, some, sometimes, you know, we can do it as a family, as a couple. It's not like, I got to be here, Pastor Stephen got to be here to administer that. Sometimes I do it alone. Sometimes I take that little kit we have now, you know, the bread and cup, and I'll just, I'll just Lord, this is for you. You know, it, 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 it's not a ritual. It shouldn't be a ritual. It should be from the heart when we want to honor God. Just like your loved one when you go to the grave and, and put flowers or to honor them, maybe on the anniversary of, of their death. We are t- to do it from our heart. Paul actually rebuked the Corinthians who used communion just to party and get drunk. That's what was going on there. They dishonored Jesus. We don't want to dishonor Jesus in that way. We want to be real. We don't want to dishonor Jesus by either neglecting communion or turning it into some ritual we just do. Eat the bread, drink the cup. Okay, see you later. You go on your day. No, it's from our heart. It's, to, it's, a, it's gratitude for what Christ has done. And what Christ has done is the most important thing anyone has ever done for us, right? To die on a cross to save us, to shed his blood so we can be forgiven and made right with God. Oh, we should be partaking in communion a lot. So believers in Christ are devoted to partaking in communion. All right, we've seen so far what makes the church a church. God's people are faithfully devoted to be in church, this is what these people were doing. Number two, devoted to, this stud, to study the word, right? The apostles' teaching. Number three, they're devoted to keep the fellowship. So important. And number four, devoted to partake in communion. Now we come to our last point. Number five, devoted to gather for prayer. Devoted to gather for prayer. And this is the last part of the verse. But I'm going to read the whole verse. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Number two, and the fellowship. Number three, to the breaking of bread. And the fourth thing here, and the prayers. So finally, what we see here is the early church devoted themselves to what? Their prayers. That is 
praying together. That's, that's the idea. That's what it's talking about. Praying together was an important part of the early church. We saw it already, right? Acts chapter 1, verse 14, 120 were in the upper room. What were they doing? They were praying, right? In one accord in prayer, the verse says. What happened after that? Acts chapter 2, the Spirit came. 3,000 people got saved. Prayer is powerful. And a group of people praying, there's, there's something in that. There's the, I'm, our prayer meetings, I love it because I feel the Spirit moving in it. I, f- I feel connected to, to God. And it's powerful because I believe prayer is being answered. We'll see in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, you know what? They went up to the temple to pray together. And guess what happened? A lame man got healed and walked. And then 5,000 people got saved after that. We read in Acts 4.31, Believers met together and prayed and the Holy Spirit came. When Peter was in prison in Acts 12, it says that there was constant prayer given to God. They, they actually, I believe, were, they were gathered in a house praying. When Peter got released, right, from the answer to prayer and, and showed up at that house. Well, no wonder believers were devoted to meeting together in prayer. I mean, if you think about the Jews, that's what they did plenty, right? They gathered together in the synagogues to pray or come to the temple to pray. And so it was important. It was an important, another important thing is to pray together. Someone said this. No Christian is greater than his or her prayer life. No church is greater than its prayer life. That's pretty convicting. The church regularly got together being devoted to gather for prayer. That's the point here. That's something we need to set within our hearts. A little three-year-old girl named Lori yelled from upstairs one night that she needed help getting undressed for bed. The mother yelled back, You know how to undress yourself. Yes, Lori yelled back, replied back, but sometimes people need people anyway, even if they do know how to do a thing by themselves. (laughs) I like that. We know how to pray. We'll pray by ourselves. We'll pray every morning. We'll pray every day in our devotions. We'll pray at night. But sometimes we need to pray together. And maybe I shouldn't say sometimes. These guys are devoted to regularly pray together. I hope you are praying in your devotions. I I hope that's important to you. To pray you and just God to take that time. I mean we've talked a lot about prayer in chapter 1. I hope that's important to you. But you know what? Let's add another important thing. God wants us to come to the prayer meetings. God wants us to pray together. God wants us to grab someone, maybe after church, hey, let me pray for you. Maybe you're talking with someone and they're going through something. You know what? Pray for them. Sometimes we're like, oh, I don't know. Well, I'll I'll pray for you, you know, because you're scared to pray out loud. Well, get used to it, you know. Start praying, dude. You know, at first, when I was a new believer and I started, you know, i just pray, you know, myself. But when I got in a group or someone asked for prayer or we're in a group, I'm like, I'm the quiet one, you know. Yeah, we're, we're all scared. We all go through that. We all feel like, oh, I might say something wrong. Or, or you know, <clears throat> what are they going to think, you know. I'm, I'm going to be like, say things upside down and backwards. Or I can't use those nice words that they use, right. But what is that? We're comparing ourselves to someone else. We're, well, are we really praying to God when we're concerned about what people hear from us? No, we, we know our Lord. He'll receive our prayer no matter how it sounds. My, my little granddaughter is really talking now. And, and before it was hard to understand, but now it's maybe, I don't know, maybe like two-thirds to 80%. I, 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 I can really... Does that add up right? Yeah. I, I can really understand, you know, what she's saying. And even though she says something's wrong or the pronunciation may not be right, do I scold her? Do I say, no, you know? No, I just receive it that, 
Oh, how cute she's talking to me, you know, and saying these things. Well, think about the Lord. He wants to hear from us. And I'll, I tell you, no matter who's praying for me, no matter their words, I'm touched that they're even praying for me. Yeah? I'm not sitting there like judging them on the words they use or anything. No, God knows our heart. God can hear it. And we're praying to Him anyway. So be devoted to gather for prayer and pray and pray. Now, as we come to a close here, I want you to, to look at these, these things that we saw here today that we studied. I want you to picture it like a chair. Think about a chair, maybe like one of these chairs here or, or like the chair you're sitting on. And I, I was thinking, I, I picture it this way. The seat is the first thing we saw, our devotion to be in church. Yeah? Being devoted to be in church, that's the seat part. Okay? One leg is that devotion to study the word. Another leg is our devotion to keep the fellowship. Another leg is the devotion to partake in communion. And there's one more leg, right? Our devotion to gather for prayer. So do you see, it, it, it completes this chair. Don't get all weird and say, well, what's the back? No, no, no don't, don't, don't worry about that. It's a stool, whatever you want to think, right? But we, we have the main thing. We're, you know, sitting out. We're devoted to be in church. And all the legs is the word, the fellowship, communion, and prayer. Now, what happens to the chair, say, if one of the legs is missing? I mean, you're here for the word. Yeah, yeah. You're here for fellowship, but uh, you're not that much into communion. But you're here for prayer. What, what happens to the chair? It'll fall over, right? Or maybe, maybe you are into the word, and, and you're into fellowship, and you're here every first Sunday for communion, but uh, prayer's not that important. What happens to the chair? It'll still fall over. No matter what leg you pull out and you think it's unimportant, the chair is going to fall over, right? It will not stand. So do you understand in your life, understand this, that as you as a believer, as a Christian, you need to be involved in all four legs of the church. You need to be devoted in all four of those things. You know what I was thinking about? Ever wonder why maybe you don't have that fire or passion like you used to maybe you're online and and yeah you know it's not like when i first came to to lord well could it be we're neglecting one or many of the legs of this chair and so we're 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 just falling over it could be it could be perhaps that's what's going on of course it could be sin or a number of other things but perhaps we're not devoted in all four maybe it's just one maybe it's just two maybe it's three we need all four legs for this chair of what a church is about to really stand and what we as believers need in our lives so get back to that right when we are christian we're all into the four things right and little by little one goes or or you're not as devoted, or maybe that leg is real skinny because it's not as, you know, you're not as much into it. Get back involved with all four things that makes a church. And I'll tell you, it'll make a difference in your own spiritual life. I'll close with this. There's an old story of a man who argued, I don't need church. I don't need it. I don't need to be there. I'm, a, I'm all right. I'm a Christian. I'm fine by myself. I don't need the word fellowship. I don't need to go to prayer meetings and all that. Well, one day the pastor of the church he used to go to unexpectedly came to his house. He invited him in, and they sat in front of this fireplace. It was a cold night. And they just sat there. The pastor didn't say a word. They were sitting there in this uncomfortable silence in front of the fire. Then the pastor suddenly took the tongs and grabbed a glowing coal and put it off to the side by itself 
from the other coals in the fire. And they watched this coal slowly cool down, cool down, smolder, and then went out completely. That was it. That spoke to the man. The man turned to the pastor and just simply said, I'll be there in church on Sunday. (laughs) Perhaps that's what's happened. You lost that fire for Jesus. Perhaps because you're not in church or maybe not enough in church or fellowship or prayer. One of the legs is missing. It will affect you spiritually. You know, the mission of our church is actually four things and similar to this, but works into this, and that's to love Jesus. I mean, our communion is part of our love to Jesus. It's to love the Word. It's to love each other, the fellowship there. And it's to, to love the lost. That's our mission. It all intertwines with what we have learned here. Loving Jesus. You know? Praying to Him together. Loving each other, praying for one another. All of this comes together. So let's, each one of us, be committed, be devoted. Let's let's get on fire for God, for Jesus Christ, for the things of God. Get back to these things, for this is what God wants from us. This is what makes the church a church. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, for this verse. It is deep. It's rich, Lord. And your Holy Spirit, God, has witnessed in our hearts the truth of this passage and how important it is to to have those four legs of this chair in the seat. God, we want to be like the early church. So many times we say, yeah, we, we, we want to be like the first church, the early church in the book of Acts. But are we willing to obey you? Are we willing to make the commitment to do these things? To be devoted in that way and be faithful in it, God. Lord, I know when we are that it will change our lives, Lord. I know when we are that you will transform us and and you will set us up on fire, God. We will grow and we will be connected with you and each other. God, help us tonight, right now, to, to make that commitment, God. To not go after other things in the world or constantly just be on our phone to the point where we miss church. To the point where we're like, oh, I don't feel like going because we're just eating junk food there, Lord. God, all this is about you. This is about you, Jesus being in our lives, being part of our lives, being our life totally. God, we confess our sins right now and we say that, Lord, we've done bad things, God. We've failed you, Lord, in this in so many ways. But tonight we want to get back to you. Tonight we want it to be about you, Lord. We want it to be what you've designed for the church and our part in the church. The church isn't a building. The church is the people. And we are part of the body of Christ, Lord. And as we're part of your body, God, it's, it's about you. Everything is about you. And when we have you, we have everything. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.